Welcome to a podcast with Aaron Schultz. Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Thank you very much for joining in, guys. Episode 188. Uh, thanks, Russell, for the great introduction. Live life with an outback mind. That's what it's all about, I think. Clear mind, healthy life. Uh, and that's what we want to try and achieve here. And uh, today I have a very special guest on with me, a fellow by the name of John Mannion, who is the lead commissioner for mental health in South Australia. Um, really well regarded and recognised uh person in the in the space or the field of mental health um you know been involved uh in this for a long time 30 years and you know well before you know this type of stuff was uh was was mentioned and mainstream i suppose in the uh you know education and awareness around uh you know keeping ourselves physically mentally well um you know there was a real disconnection there but i just think um you know john's work has, has really been pivotal in making some changes and actually getting people more uh, aware and engaged with uh, the importance of mental well-being and looking after ourselves. So we're going to have a really good chat about that today. John's also the uh, the director or executive director of the Breakthrough, Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation in uh, South Australia. He was the inaugural uh, uh, executive uh, director with the organisation has been there ever since and they're doing some tremendous work um, in South Australia and beyond but also uh, in uh, in Indigenous Australian mental health as well which we're going to talk about today and lots of other stuff around that so I'm really sure you're going to enjoy this chat. Um, just want to make special mention to The Real Shift to support the podcast so if you're looking to change something in your life, uh, you've got a habit you want to try and break through or you have a uh, a goal you want to try and achieve and just having a bit of trouble getting there they've got an awesome nine-week deep dive program if you wanted to check out what they do um they're, they're really reasonable with their prices like it's uh, about a thousand dollars if you mention the outback mind the podcast you'll get a 10 percent discount and um that can really transform your life it's a great investment in yourself so the website is therealshift.com if you go to therealshift.com forward slash deep dive you'll see a bit of uh, info about the program and uh yeah really encourage you uh, to invest in yourself, if you're looking to make uh, make some changes, um, they're very good at what they do, the guys. So please check them out and help them out. All right, appreciate your feedback with this uh, chat with John and I. Best email is to uh, sorry, best is to email support at outbackmind.com.au. G'day, John. Hi, Aaron. How are you? Very well, mate. Thank you very, very much for joining me today. Um, been watching what you're doing there for a while and I uh, really love, uh, you know, your work, mate. So um, just love to hear a bit more about your background and journey, um, you know, coming from England all those years ago and sort of how you ended up, um, you know, working in this space and sort of being so passionate about it. Yeah, no, no problems. Um, I, I've, I've worked in the mental health arena for 35 years. So my whole career has been in mental health. Um, and as you can tell from the accents, I started in the northwest of England, um, over in Chester, 
um, where I did my mental health nurse training and then I did my social work training over in Salford in Manchester. Um, and then worked within um, a, a range of different mental health service settings and managed a large community service in the UK and then came across to Australia um, 13 years ago um, where I started to work then across over in Adelaide um, where I worked within, um, again, mental health services. I, I was initially over as uh, the sort of principal project officer and then became the executive director of mental health services for the south of the city. Mm. Um, and led, that sort of was, was an incredible time of, of reform here within the state, um, but also I got this incredible opportunity of, of establishing breakthrough. Um, I was approached to look at um, a conversation to actually start to drive a change in the mental health world where we started to look at evidence and research and investment into mental health. And, um, and we set breakthrough up um, four years ago, which is a mental health research foundation. Um, and part of that then is, is that community connectivity and that narrative and that story and connecting with our communities uh, to drive a change in the mental health world. Yeah, tremendous, mate. So it's really interesting hearing um, uh, your journey. Uh, about 30 years ago, I was sort of... Uh, on the same path, but I was working in uh, institutions we had back then, um, sort of uh, doing the um, the psych nursing uh, thing. You know, uh, back then the the training was in the in the hospitals or in the in the institutions, and um, certainly I moved out of that. But uh, geez, mate, you, you you actually sent shivers down my spine just on how far we've actually come. Uh, you know, in that in that thirty year period here in Australia. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that, that that's a mirrored story. When, when I started in Chester, it was, it was a large mental health hospital. Mm. Um, and I, I was did my training just at the time when we were doing the community care push. So we were looking at clo closing down the larger hospitals, doing the transition back to the community, developing mental health community services, developing sort of community support net networks, mm. um, rehabilitation services, step-up services, step-down. So it was an exciting time in the mental health world. And when I, when I look back now, I, I, I did a session with some from some colleagues up in the Adelaide Hills at the weekend, which was um, 35 men coming together to talk about mental health. Mm. 35 years ago, we wouldn't have had that conversation in a sports club. Yes. It would have been behind the closed doors. It would have been behind, behind hands. People wouldn't have felt safe to have the conversation where 35 years on now, we're, we're getting people coming together because they're wanting to make a difference and they're wanting to normalise the conversation, which is, is an incredible change. Yeah, absolutely. That wasn't at the Goodwood Football Club, by any chance, was it? No, no. We, we've, we've done quite a bit of work with Goodwood. They're, they're an yeah. incredible football club. This was um, up at the Adelaide Hills at Local Four. Yes. Oh, amazing, mate. Yeah, look, at, it's, it's trivial to see how proactive you are over there and, you know, um, I had the president of Goodwood on there not long back and we talked all about, you know, what they're doing and, you know, I've, I've had the philosophy for years that, you know, clubs and workplaces have got such a tremendous opportunity to be able to, you know, help uh, individuals, um, you know, uh, through the structure and so forth there because it's, you know, it's really needed and, um, you know, Goodwood's doing some amazing things which I'm sure you're, you're all over as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, good, good with Saints Footy Club and, and Craig Scott are, are, are just a, a, they're sort of like the the golden boys or golden club, really. Um, I, I had the pleasure of going to their opening game last year, and, and we we I was one of the speakers in their lunch. Um, and what happened is that they they spoke about the season before where they'd actually got to four of the finals. Um, and, and won three of the finals. And, and they asked the coach what was the highlights of the season for him. 
and he didn't talk about football. He, he spoke about the culture in the club and how they wrapped their arms around each other when they lost one of their players to suicide. Mm. And that, that sort of brought my hairs up on, on my arms because it, it, was, it was that moment where it was a, a sports club that could have spoke about how successful we were and they actually spoke about how they supported each other. And that, for me, was this beautiful benchmark of, of how far our sporting communities, which are, you know, this they, they, they sort of centre of our communities where they actually promote a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose, which we know we know are foundations for, for positive mental health and well-being. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And, yeah, really pivotal because, yeah, I've, I've had experience myself with, uh, with people within the club environment which have taken their lives and... Uh, there was a lot of blame, you know, years ago, but now it's, you know, hopefully starting to change. And, you know, what you experienced there was testament to the, you know, how far we've actually come uh, in this and to have a coach and a leader that's um, able to reflect on something like that as being a huge positive is um, is really, really critical and important. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I, I agree with you that the, the sort of the, the change that's taking place in those conversations, especially around when we when we lose, you know, a loved one, a, a friend, a colleague, um, it, it, it is enabling people to reflect and put it in a different mindset. And I often talk to people about when we're looking at suicide prevention and, and the complexity that sits within that. Um, if, if we can tilt the lens a little bit to, to what, what a horrible situation it must be for someone to be in to believe that the only way to escape the turmoil, the stress, the distress they're in is not to be here. Mm. Um, what can we do about how we then reach out earlier, how we are aware of the signs to look out for, how we have that first conversation, how we look out for those warning signs, that, that they're the bits where we then may be able to reach out and actually make a difference. Yeah, absolutely agree. And yeah, my, my whole journey is, um, you know, really taken me to a, a space now of, of prehabilitation, so preventative um, measures, so being able to sort of teach people um, skills so they can manage their nervous system and be a bit more self-aware and, you know, build build sort of, uh, you know, a structure in their lives and um, have some self-discipline to be able to regulate, I think, um, you know, is where I've been able to to help um, you know up this way and so forth too, but um, you know there's there's so much um, uh, uh, disconnection I suppose in, in modern life, and when someone's feeling that way, um, you know they they basically feel so isolated and, and on their own. Have you got much evidence around sort of that and why that sort of you know comes about? Yeah, it's it, it is really interesting, isn't it? When when we look at you know the complexity, especially around if, we, if we're talking around sort of suicidality, um, we, we we know that you know the high percentage of people um, that lose their their, their lives uh, have been known to our mental health services, mm. um, but also that the, the triggers that that might have caused the, the distress they're under might not be mental health. So it may be relationships, it could be finance, it could be education, it can be react, re- reaction, mm. um, and and what we're finding especially when we're starting some of the, the sessions with the, the program we're running called Men's Meals and Mental Health mm. um, we're, we're finding that, that there's a, a high percentage of, of, of young people and also older people um, who have, have become very very socially isolated, very socially disconnected yes. um, we, we um, had a session as I said up in the Adelaide Hills uh, um, on Friday but we had one also down on the on York's Peninsula on the Sunday um, and very similar um, conversations from, from, from the men that were joining us um, saying how wonderful it was just to get back together to connect and just to connect over a meal to start and have that conversation um, and what they were telling us it's it's um it's not just a mental health conversation they've been struggling with it's just having any conversation yes um and and, and the, the, that loss of connectivity that isolation that high risk 
um, cohort of, of, of people coming together. Um, so we're finding from, from obviously the, those sessions the, the importance of actually bringing people together in a safe space, yeah. um, bringing people together where you can actually share narratives and share stories to normalise the mental health conversation, to make it safe to ask any question and not be a daft question and not feel judged. Um, and to be respectful during those conversations, you know, that, that every one of us will come from a very different angle. But if we can try and listen to each other, we, we, we may learn more, we may pick up more um, signs, symptoms, observations, skills, etc. Yes. Um, so it, it's fascinating when, when, you, when you're actually going out into the community and having these conversations with all the different groups. Yeah, oh, absolutely, and and you get different, um, you did you, you get different participation, but also different feedback. You know, in 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 different communities. So you know, one model and one uh, mindset, you know, doesn't sort of fit all. And you know, I, I've been really lucky up here in Central Queensland. Well, not so much lucky, but I, I saw a, a real need when I came to this community that there was disconnection for guys and. Be able to pull a men's circle together and have that, you know, running really well after 18 months has been tremendous. But, you know, it's really helped um, counteract um, suicidology and, um, and also brought people together where we can start to, you know, share experiences and build capacity. And that's where it's got to. It's actually a you know, capacity building, um, you know, uh, circle now where we're, we're basically able to you know talk about our emotions and what's going on but also to be able to build tools into people's lives so they can uh, be a bit more aware of their emotions and and that's been tremendous you know and um, yeah particularly in regional Australia like you know the demographic changes um, uh, within towns and communities and you know you've just got to work with um, the people that, um, that that are there to be able to you know provide um, empathy and support, but also to be able to give guidance, um, you know, where it's needed. I think it's really important. Yeah, no, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's um, it's really fascinating, isn't it, about, about also getting the blends. So, so the blend of, of providing a safe opportunity for people to come together, so be it a barbecue, a meeting place, um, you know, like I think um, in our sports clubs, you know, that, that, that concept of having a snitty together and, and having that safe conversation. Yeah. Um, but also then, you know, the, the, the sharing of lived experience narratives uh, and, yes. and doing that in a very, very respectful, supportive way. And then the building of the skills on top, as you said, Erin, is vitally important. You know, the, the, if we are in a position where we're able to share stories and we just leave it at that, we're missing out on opportunity because bringing people together and should be about everyone coming together to learn new skills, mm. new opportunities. And you want people to go away from each of those sessions feeling at a stronger place than when they first walked in. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, and I think yeah, the the the, the, dem the demographics across each of those those communities. I mean, we, we we had gentlemen joining us on on Friday night. We had um, I think we had about five or six men over the age of eighty joining us, mm. um, and listening to their stories and, and and their wish to still learn at the age of eighty. And 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 how do I look after myself? How do I share? How do I care? Um, absolutely fascinating that, that they take part in these conversations in, in the same manner as our twenty and thirty year olds are yes oh mate and, and that really is tremendous you know and to be able to see men still thriving in their 80s um you know is is full credit to those guys but you know i believe that's available to all of us you know i think i think we decline as we get older physically but also we decline as we get older mentally because we stop that that growth phase you know that that self-development and growth phase and you know, for those guys to be uh, open enough to be able to come uh, to uh, you know, a setting like that is is you know tremendously important, but um, also you know that wisdom that gets passed down, um, you know, 
uh, to others, I think, is, is critical to be able to sort of navigate our way through lives these days. Yeah, no, no, definitely, definitely. And I think also that the way in which we, we are in a position to sort of um, deliver conversations and programs in different ways. Um, the, one of the programs we do, which are the men's meals, um, it, it's led by a gentleman called Jeremy Edwards, who, who shares his own lived experience to, to, to normalise and make the place safe. Um, it's built in then with... Um, uh, Zen Kurtwood, who, who works for me at Breakthrough, but that also has a very strong lived experience. But he's now building in the skills, mm. uh, and, and then we finish with a we finish with a comedian here called um, uh, Mark Ryan, the beautiful Bogan, uh, and, and and Mark weaves in his own lived experience into a, in, into a skill set, so that as as we take people through a journey through the the lunch, we, we're building skills, we're opening up a bit of vulnerability, we're building more skills on top, and then we leave people in this this sort of stronger, happier place. Mm. Um, and we're, we're finding that in, our, in the feedback from the sessions, you know, that, that people are comfortable with the journey that's actually taking place. And for some people, it wasn't what they were expecting in, in the context they were, they were going to be ha- having, a, you know, a, a laugh and a giggle yes. about the complexity of life, which sometimes we take very, very seriously. Oh, absolutely, John. You know, one thing there with that, um, you know, with what you did on Friday, like it sounds tremendous. Is it going to be follow up? with those guys, like to, just to make sure that they've got con- continued ongoing support. Because I know in modern life, we have a lot of Band-Aid fixes where we, we run something and then it's just over and done with and guys go back into their hole pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, 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 it does have a domino to it. So I agree with you. The, 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 the risk, obviously, is we go out to a community and we lead that community. And um, one of the pieces that we've, we've looked at from the program at uh, Flinders University are doing an evaluation. Um, and they're actually measuring... They're measuring the impact on on utilising lived experience as presenters. They're then measuring the impact on the uh, members who actually join and and, and, uh, take part in the session. But also they're doing a post piece of work to actually look at what happens in the community afterwards. So how how do we ensure then that we don't just have this one conversation? It does actually look at community growth and community opportunity. Mm. Um, So linking into that then, you know, one of the dominoes is we... we, um, run mental health first aid training programs so we're looking at every sports club that actually takes part in, in the men's meals actually having um two of their, the, the members actually trained in mental health first aid so you've actually got someone that can go beyond that first conversation with you yes. um but also then looking at how that sits within a wider framework within our communities so uh, here in south australia we've got the new suicide prevention plan which is then looking around how do you empower the community to, to go beyond the first aid conversation, maybe do assist training, maybe do suicide uh, conversation, conversation narratives. There's a whole range of programs, aren't there? And our aim is that, that if we, we actually build the, the strength and the resilience in the community to be that first point of call, um, the power that actually takes place is, is incredible. And um, I often think about it, it when the work I do across both my roles, um, the magic the magic always happens in the community. It doesn't happen in my office. It happens yes. in the community. Yes, absolutely, mate. And, and good on you for being so aware and open-hearted about that, you know, because, you know, what, you, what you've done and what you're doing spreads. And, you know, if you can maintain that and, and still continue to, to develop and grow with that, that's, that's really good. And, you know, I'm so pleased to hear, you know, the proactive work that you're doing in South Australia. It's probably the most innovative, innovative that I've, I've, I've seen over my time, you know, and... Um, I just wanted to know what your what your plans are moving forward, and um, and how you know breakthroughs going to, to grow, I suppose, into the future, and um, 
um, you know, a little bit about um, you know what you're doing yourself as an individual to look after yourself too would be uh, would be nice to know as soon as all the, <laughs> work, all the work you're doing. <laughs> um, well, I think it's, it's interesting. Um, the, the, in the breakthrough world, um, our focus is about investing into targeted mental health research. Um, we've just done our grant rounds for this year. We, we had them announced at Government House a few weeks ago. Um, we're, we're investing $1.2 million back into the um, South Australian research community um, ac- across young people, um, eating disorders, depression, and indigenous mental health um, in partnership with Flinders University, UniSA, SAMRI, and the Mind and Brain Centre at Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, Every, every dollar that gets invested into that research is raised uh, through all our fundraising channels. We're we, not in a position, we don't, we don't get any funding for state or federal government, so everything is philanthropically raised, which is an incredible um, reflection on, on the, the sort of the care and support of our community to get behind us. Um, our growth for, 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 for next year is we're, we're still wanting to focus within our younger people's and, and programs. Um, and so in partnership with another charity, the Little Heroes Foundation, um, we'll actually be funding a new professor in adolescent, child and adolescent research at Flinders University mm-hmm. um, to, to, to develop a more targeted strategy which then aligns with our children's mental health literacy program and our um, programs that we've invested into in relation to eating disorders, body image, etc. Um, so it's an exciting space in, in, in the breakthrough world. It's a, it's a busy space. It keeps us very busy because in the balance of, of obviously um, doing the, the sort of the strategic work and the research work and then aligning that with the community engagement and the education, um, that that's, that's, uh, keeps us very, very busy in, in, in our roles. Um, in relation then, how do I manage that myself? Um, um, I'm a little bit of a workaholic, um, but I also do get that balance in, in the concepts of um, having time out. Uh, I've got a really supportive family and, and I enjoy spending time with them. Um, I enjoy walking my dog, uh, living up in the Adelaide Hills. We've got beautiful scenery to actually walk in and we're only half an hour from the beach, so that's beautiful. Yes. Um, I do a little bit of yoga. Not as much as I should do. I'm about as flexible as a plank of wood. Um, but, I, but I really enjoy that because it's very good. It's very good for my own mindset. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually I'm taking all August off. So I'm having a, a family holiday for a couple of weeks and then I'm going back to the UK to visit my family who I haven't seen for four years because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll be, be looking looking forward to that and then hopefully coming back reinvigorated for, for the next part of the year. Yeah, last quarter. Good work, mate. It's um, really good to hear you. Well, I'm a my yoga teacher. It's something I'm pretty passionate about. But um, for men, I guess primarily, you know, if we can do one thing twice a day, which is really good for our physical and mental health, is to release tension in our hips. You know, if we can we can start to release that tension in our, in our hips, then our mind starts to sort of follow, and we lose a lot of yeah. tension from the mind as well. So I really encourage you. You know. Uh, if there's something you can do between now and the end of August, is just do something to release your hips twice a day, and I think you'll notice a huge difference in your, mm-hmm. um, you know, your, your sense of connection and, and that type of thing. It's um, it's really important because we are really tense in our bodies, and that can go into our mind as well, and that can, you know, uh, lead to you know a sense of um, or a lack of sense of judgment and, and all those sorts of things as well. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It's, 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 it's around getting a whole range of balance, isn't there? Um, my, my, my drive home from work um, takes anything from, from 50 minutes to an hour and a half. Um, that's the time where I put my music on and like a good sing. Um, I only do it in the car so no one else can hear it. So that's good. Um, but, but it is that release. By the time I get home, I've, I've usually 
problem solve the week or problem solve the day i've got things into place and you know so when, I, when i'm getting home I, i'm in, in the right sort of mindset to, to give my family the attention they deserve as well so yeah. um so yeah but i agree with you it's, it's a lot of it's around the balance isn't it good to hear you you, you use that time to de-escalate and you know, a lot of guys will, will, would be tense when they get home the first thing they'll do is open the fridge and get a beer um you know that's that's probably not being really proactive it's being reactive you know and uh, I used to be one of them, so I, I get it. But yeah, you're right. If you can be aware of your emotions and sort of see where you're at, uh, then you know if you can have tools which help you de-escalate, like you do, you're doing with um, you know, spending time alone in the car. I think that's really important because our nervous system gets you know a, a real hit throughout the day. And um, uh, if we don't learn to to control that, then we can be really reactive with our. Um, approach to our mental health and that can lead to you know anxiety and depression and so forth would you agree oh yeah yeah de- definitely um and i think it, it, it's, it's it's having that awareness of what some of those triggers are for yourself as well um and, and the awareness of, of, of obviously your, your friends and your families you know so you know, we often talk around you know um knowing about the five signs to look out for you know that those those sort of changes in in, in behavior changes in agitation changes in our presentation mm. um, and changes in thoughts about, about our feelings of, of, of hopelessness etc um and, and if we're mindful of, of of those but also mindful of some of those triggers so for me um i know that if i don't um get into a regular sleep pattern that, that, that's my, my sleep's my recovery period mm. um so that's one of my first things that, that, that if i start to get stressed i notice alters or changes so uh, so bringing that back in line and, and getting back into that regular sleep pattern is really important for me um i'm, I'm not a big drinker um so you know me getting in from work and, and going into to, to the the fridge for a beer um it's more for me i get in and i put the kettle on <laughs> <laughs> um, so so uh, more of a tea belly um, but yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's knowing those trigger points that, 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 that's that's really important for every one of us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've I've done a lot of research into Eastern cultures and how they they go about it. You know, and that self regulation is is really um, really pivotal and you know a, a great framework for them to, to base their lives upon. I just think if we can do a, a practice throughout the day or, or do something which just gets our, as, as back to our the sense of you know balance again um i think it can be, be really helpful because you know where your baseline is and um you know to be able to sort of realize where you're at um you know and be able to come back to that in a regular um a re- regular um you know sequence throughout the day um and also at night i think it's really important because if you can de-escalate before you go to bed your sleep's going to get better if you're thinking too much or you're stimulated by watching tv or looking at a device then you know your mind's not going to be prepared for for sleep would you agree yeah no no de- definitely um and, and i think it's right for everybody also to to work out what's actually the best for themselves mm. you know so every one of us is very unique so so trying to find out the ways in which we actually do have our own relaxation time, our downtime, you know, and that can be from music, from dance, from sports. And as you say, then through, through to a whole range of relaxation techniques, yoga, mindfulness, etc. And um, so my, my recommendation to everyone is, is trying to find that one thing that lets you bring everything back down into, into that safe space, back down into that quiet time. So, so yeah, you can problem solve, you can formalize and yeah, getting yourself in that headspace to, to be able to, when you do go to bed at night, you are able to shut off, which for a lot of people is a big challenge. Yeah, it is. I used to be one of them too, John, you know, it's like thinking about work before I went to bed and then in the middle yeah, of the night yeah. and as soon as I woke up, but it's not healthy to do that, you know? 
Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm good at getting off to sleep. My problem for me is then I wake, if I'm thinking about things, I wake early and start to think about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's common. It, uh, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, you're aware of it. And, you know, if you, if you, you train yourself enough to, to, to let go of those thoughts, then eventually they'll start to quieten down a little bit. But I, I find having a, a pen, a bit of paper handy just to be able to write them down and get them out of the head mm-hmm. uh, can be quite helpful. Yeah, yeah, I've got um, I've got a similar thing. I've got my, my little pad at the side, and uh, after, I often I write notes, and then when I get up in the morning and I read it, I go, "What was I thinking? What was that? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make right, any sense." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah it's uh, usually a dream that's uh, that's sort of come to reality, sort of thing, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> amazing, mate. Tell me, uh, what's the best place um, uh, for people to to have a look at the uh, wonderful work that you're doing? Yeah, if, if you want to go on to, to the um, Breakthrough website, it's um, www.breakthroughfoundation.org.au. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see there about the research we've actually put into place. You can see there about the um, programs that we roll out in relation to, to mental health awareness and, and the men's meal sessions, etc. And, and we've also got a women's wisdom program. Um, but also then, if, if you want to support our research, there's an opportunity there for you to fundraise, to make donations, etc. And um, we, we've got some incredible people doing some fabulous fundraising programs. We had a, a gentleman up over on uh, um, on Kangaroo Island that did a, um, a 24-hour shearathon for Breakthrough, uh, raised over $45,000, um, him and his colleagues. And they're wanting to, to expand that um, this year or, or in February next year, sorry, to, to do it again. And I think they're looking at partners across Australia to take part in it so if you've got any people up in up in Queensland that want to be part of a shearathon let us know I'm sure I'll be able to round them up don't worry uh, that's for sure so I'd love to uh, love to do uh, a bit of work there and I do do know some uh, some wool buyers that might be keen to maybe uh, sponsor it so uh, yeah definitely worth having a chat to uh, about that that's for sure no, that, that would be brilliant. I mean, um, obviously, as, 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 a, as a charity, we're, we're looking at as many different ways in which we can um, gain support to, to maximise the impact we're actually having. So, as I say, we're, we're four years old, and, and this year we, we, we've invested into 30 new pieces of research. So um, we, we're, we're definitely punching above our weight, which is fabulous. Yeah. And, and we're really grateful to our community for supporting us. Yeah, amazing, mate. And, and testament to... What you were doing 35 years ago and, and you know the world is a better place because you've stuck with it you know and uh, and come through and i think the best yet to come you know with what you've been able to develop in four years you know imagine what it's going to be like in another four and you know you're as passionate passionate as i am about trying to reduce and eliminate you know suicide um you know within regional australia and i just think if we can you know continue to have these conversations and be able to provide uh, education information and eventually that's going to start to uh, improve uh, you know moving forward I, I hope that's for sure yeah no de- definitely the, the, the more more knowledge we're able to share and, 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 and literacy we grow um, and also the, the more we normalize the conversation to actually expand and explain to people reaching out is actually a strength it's not a weakness yes. um, that's the way which we're going to drive change within our own communities. Yeah, well said, mate. It's um, certainly, uh, you know, I've still got a bit of work to do. There's a lot of resistance with uh, with guys speaking up. But, you know, my my whole philosophy is to do the preventative stuff and, you know, help guys, um, you know, before they get uh, the, to the stage where they've got a, you know, they've got a, they've got a problem, you know. Um, that's, that's not going to happen overnight. But I think if we can continue to have conversations and start to do things which are, you know, quite proactive, then, you know, eventually people will become aware enough to, to manage themselves a little bit better moving forward. So, 
really uh, grateful for your time, John. I'm sure we're going to have more um, down the track and hopefully I'll get down to South Australia at some stage and we can go to a Crows game. Oh, well, you'd be very welcome to come down. I don't think you want to watch the Crows playing at the moment. We're, <laughs> we're struggling a little bit, but um, we're on the up eventually. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh, you, you've had enough success over the years, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Appreciate it, John. Thanks very much. No, thanks for your time, Aaron. Take care, mate.